Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast. You'll hear from players, coaches, broadcasters, and writers that cover the NFL on a daily basis. The New Orleans Saints podcast starts right now. Here's your host, Aaron Summers. Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast. I'm Aaron Summers. Today, we are wrapping up our look around the NFC South ahead of the NFL draft. With Fox Sports' Greg Allman, Greg made the move to Fox this past November to cover the entire division, but since 2013, he has been solely covering the Bucks, most recently for The Athletic. Along with Greg, I'm going to catch up with Saints linebacker DeMarco Jackson. Jackson sat out his rookie season with an injury and is ready to get back on the field this upcoming season. He's also doing some great work in his community this offseason. Let's kick things off with Greg Allman. Greg, thank you so much for joining me on the New Orleans Saints podcast. I appreciate it. How are you doing with the busy time of year that it is getting ready for the draft? Uh, it's fun. There's a lot going on. You find out that four teams, four teams during the season was a little bit crazy, uh, but it's kind of like, you know, Sundays, you're busy the rest of the week catching up. Draft with four teams and free agency with four teams was fun just because there's there's so much going on and it's it's arrivals and departures from four different cities. And, and there was actually a fair amount of overlap i mean lots of nfc south transactions where teams guys left one team and went to another mm-hmm. uh, so it's been good a little frenetic and uh i'm at that point where i'm ready for the draft like we've done enough uh mocking and projecting and anticipating uh i'm ready for the draft to be here it's only two weeks so it's not too bad and well i'm going to make you go through it one more time we're going to focus sure. on tampa bay here you mentioned the free agency moves how do you think that tampa bay assessed some of their needs and, and got better in free agency yeah, I think it was probably better than most Bucks fans expected. I mean, this was kind of supposed to be a doom and gloom spring just because they had such a cap problem, um, you know, had really kind of borrowed heavily to finance surrounding Tom Brady with as much talent as possible. So I think there was definitely going in uh, expectations they wouldn't be able to keep the very best of their free agents, um, you know. Jamel Dean and Levante David were, you know, you'd see them ranked both in maybe the top 10 at any position. So um, for them to be able to keep them both, um, and get them back, um, bring back Anthony Nelson. Really, honestly, the, the, the guys that they lost, I don't think anybody they lost has gotten more than like three and a half million dollars a year. So it, if anything, they've come out of it pretty well um, to be able to make the outside additions. They've done kind of on a budget to get a Baker Mayfield for four million dollars and get Greg Gaines and Chase Edmonds, uh, Ryan Neal. Um, I, I think they've done a pretty good job. I mean, this is one of those where um, I think it could have hit them a lot harder and they've they've kind of done a little bit like the Saints and, and just kicking the can down the road with some of these cap issues where they're still going to have some some juggling to do a year from now. But um, yeah, right now, I mean, it's one of those where you, you knew with Brady gone that there would be a drop off, but I think they've done a good job of trying to make it not the uh, just the ridiculous fall that it could have been if they weren't able to keep everybody they wanted to. Sure. With that quarterback situation, obviously, Tom Brady no longer on the squad. Baker Mayfield gets brought in on a one-year deal. Kyle Trask, the 2021 second round draftee for the Bucks. How do you think the quarterback dynamic is going to be this year? And maybe are they possibly going to look for a quarterback in this draft? Yeah, it, it'll be curious. I mean, they don't have a huge commitment to either guy mm-hmm. between Mayfield and Trask. So I, I still think it's like uh, Will Levis is here in Tampa today. They had Hennon Hooker in this week. So that's two guys that uh, ideally I would think wouldn't be there at 19 when they pick. Um, so you don't know if you know, they're just kind of checking all the boxes, making sure they've covered things. In theory, if they loved one of these rookies, um, 
yeah, I mean, like I said, all they're giving is Baker Mayfield $4 million for one year. Trask still has two years left on his rookie deal, but um, you could see them definitely looking outside if there's somebody they just fell in love with. As far as without a rookie, how it shakes out, I think right now it's probably Baker Mayfield's job to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing Kyle Trask had going for him for a bit was that he knew this offense and had spent two years learning the offense with Tom Brady. Uh, Byron Leftwich is gone. You know, Dave Canales is now the offensive coordinator. So everybody is kind of starting from scratch. So I think that sets him back. And that you have, I think they still like Cal Trask. I think they're still upsetting Cal Trask, but he has nine career passes. And and Baker Mayfield's a guy that's led a team to the playoffs, won a game in the playoffs, um, you know, thrown for whatever it is. I mean, in terms of yards, I think he's got a hundred touchdowns compared to Trask, who, who like I said, is is basically had two red shirt years in the NFL. So um, it that puts a little pressure on Baker that he's got to do well in that mm-hmm. uh, if he isn't winning, if they're not doing well with him, I think they will want to see what they have in Trask. But uh, beyond that is probably Baker's to start out with. You mentioned the possibility of going and getting somebody if you really like them. Nine picks for the Bucks in this upcoming draft. Do you think there may be some draft day trade, some movement? Yeah, uh, Jason Light, I don't know that he intends to draft nine players in this draft. Um, it's like his his history is fifth, sixth, seventh rounders aren't necessarily guys that are, are impact guys or even make the cut. So I do think there could be some consolidation where you use a, you know, an extra fifth and move up in the second round or you take two sixths and, and find yourself a fifth rounder or something like that. Um, but no, it's, it's funny. It's like he's traded up a fair amount. I mean, when mm-hmm. he sees guys he likes, whether it's Tristan Wirfs, or, uh, you know, in years past, they've, they've traded down um, like they did with Vita, Vita Vea in 18. So I, I think it's definitely possible that they move. You know, 18, 19 is a tricky spot to trade from because you don't know going into the draft where the surpluses are going to be. Um, mm-hmm. Like tackle is a position that makes a lot of sense. Every time I see a mock, I'm, I'm looking to see how many tackles go in the first 18 picks because it's definitely a need for the Bucs. They, they let Donovan Smith go, and there's not a, an overwhelming candidate in-house to step in. Um, so you'll see mocks where there's two tackles that are taken. There's mocks where there's five tackles that are taken. Um, and I don't think they have to reach for a tackle, but if there's one there, I definitely think it makes sense. Um, they could definitely use an edge rusher. Uh, Brian Branch, the safety from Alabama would make a lot of sense. They, they could use him as a nickel, but you could miss the safety. So there's, there's kind of a lot of directions they could go. And if that one guy that's the end of the world for them, isn't there at 19, I do think they could to drop back. I had, there was one mock draft where I think I had them dropping down with Jacksonville five spots, um, picking up like a, a third round pick, just somebody else that can be a, they, they've got enough depth needs on this team where they definitely would benefit from having, you know, one more guy you can count on and pencil in as a guy that, that upgrades your 53 and you don't have to worry about whether he makes the cut or not, that kind of thing. Without left tackle Donovan Smith, it seems like offensive tackle is going to be a position that they're looking at in this draft. You mentioned um, some defensive positions with safety, maybe a slot corner. Anything else, any other needs that you see this team having to still fill at this point? Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, inside linebacker, honestly, uh, and I would have said this even before, the last 24 hours have kind of been interesting that Devin White, their their young linebacker and captain, has requested a trade. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know if the Bucs intend to trade him, but just – Knowing how that is, I think that certainly makes inside linebacker a position they would want to upgrade their depth at. Uh, Levante Davids, their other inside linebacker, and he's 33. So you, you have to start thinking hard about being having a successor in place for him after this year, probably. So I definitely think inside linebacker would make a lot of sense. There's not a lot of linebackers worth taking at 19, but that could be 
your second round pick. That could be a third round pick, you know, somewhere where like a day two priority for them, I would think. And then running back, you cut Leonard Fournette, somebody that people around here usually keep track of where he is. Yeah. And then it looks like Rashad White is going to be the RB1 there. But how about the rest of the depth? Yeah, there isn't much. So, no, I mean, for Lenny to be unsigned a month into free agency um, is surprising for me. I think he'll be able to pick a spot where he can be a, a solid two somewhere. Rashad White will definitely be the one. Um, there's some talk that if, if like B. John Robinson's there at 19, they could take him. They had the worst run game in the NFL last year, dead last in the league in yards mm-hmm. per carry and yards per game. So uh, I definitely can see a value there. Um, they like Rashad White. They put a third round pick into him last year. I, I think they're very confident moving forward with him as the lead guy. But yeah, for depth standpoint, they could definitely kind of take a Rashad level third round, fourth round running back to add to that. Um, and that's usually kind of the sweet spot for finding good value uh, in a running back draft. Um, so there's a couple of guys that make sense for them. Third round, fourth round. They they did sign Chase Edmonds. So they have a guy who's kind of a pass catching back and a, a complimentary back, uh, hoping for a bounce back year from him. But no, they they could use an upgrade right now. I mean, the third running back on their roster, it, it would be Keyshawn Vaughn, who's a fourth year guy in a draft pick, but really hasn't played very much at all. Um, so I would be surprised if they don't use a draft pick somewhere, second day, third day on a running back there. Yeah, White was that third round draft pick last season for the Bucks. Last year, the Bucks go eight and nine, but they win the NFC South. It was kind of a wild year across the division. Nobody seemed to want to go out and grab it. How do you think things are going to shake out this year? Yeah, it's 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 hard to call because it was so close. I mean, last year you have literally one game separating first and fourth in the division. I think mm-hmm. the whole division will be better. I think everybody's gone out and helped themselves. Um, Carolina to be out in front and get Frank Reich and a great coaching staff to, to be bold enough to trade a bunch of stuff to get the number one overall pick. Um, their only real limiting factor probably will be a, a rookie quarterback and how quickly they can turn to that guy and win with that guy, whether it's CJ Stroud or whether it's Bryce Young, um, you know, New Orleans to go out and get their car and, and, you know, solidly answer the quarterback position with a little bit more leadership than what they've had. Um, I don't know that he's statistically that different from what they got out of Dalton and Winston last year, but I think just from a, a leadership standpoint, he's at that point in his career where he's been in nine years now, um, has only been to the playoffs once. He 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 has a, a limited window to kind of change his legacy in terms of who he is as quarterback. And this is the Saints team that I think is talented enough to help him do that. Um, I think they've done really well. New Orleans um, took some losses on defense, but made some good additions, managed to convince some guys to stay on offense that I wasn't necessarily expecting to be able to stay um so they're right there in it atlanta's a little trickier to figure out um they've been the big spenders in the division they've certainly been the most active in in adding talent to their roster they're they're kind of running with desmond ritter right now which is a little surprising um and i guess i i will still be uh, eyebrows up looking at that number eight pick if if the right quarterback falls to them at eight i wouldn't be surprised if they did something there but publicly at least they've been all behind desmond ritter as a guy that you know They've had a great run game. I think they've done a lot to improve their defense, to bring in Ryan Nielsen. Um, they literally have added probably five new starters. I mean, if you think about uh, trading for Jeff Ikuda yesterday, uh, you add, you know, Calais Campbell is, is a Hall of Famer in waiting. I mean, to add a leader like him on the front, even at age 36, still really productive. David Onyemata will be an upgrade on the defensive line. Uh, Caden Ellis, obviously, you know well. Um, can be a playmaker for them and kind of gets a, a bigger chance to show what he did last year wasn't a fluke. And, and then Jesse Bates is probably the big dollar guy they add as a safety uh, as kind of a leader on the back end of that defense. So no, it, it's really hard to see right now. 
if I had to guess right now, I think I would probably say Carolina or New Orleans are are the teams to beat. Um, but it'll be tight. I mean, I, I don't know that there'll be a huge separation between first and fourth again uh, when we're talking about this division in January. Looking at the coaching staff there, you know, Todd Bowles, how do you think that he has kind of made this team this his own, kind of put his stamp on the organization and then being able to bring in some of his own guys here, as you mentioned, with the offensive coordinator and different things like that? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those where, you know, Bruce Arians decided to to switch at the end of March last year. So, I mean, much later than a normal offseason coaching mm-hmm. change. And, and kind of as a result of that, Todd Bowles basically – had to just take on his entire staff. And a lot of those guys are, are guys that Bowles has coached with and known for a long time. But uh, normally as a head coach, you, like you said, you, you mm-hmm. want to be able to kind of make your stamp and, and say, this is the guy I want. Um, offensively, they had a huge drop-off last year. I mean, to have the talent they had and Tom Brady and to drop off whatever it was, 14 points a game, um, was really just a big part of why they were a disappointing team. So to see Byron Leftwich out, um, Dave Canales is not one of his guys. I mean, Todd Bowles is usually a guy who's very – uh, it starts with familiarity and guys that he's worked with. So he's kind of taken a little bit of a leap to go outside his circle of of knowledge and firsthand relationships and get Dave Canales, who's a first-time coordinator. Um, it'll be a young offensive staff. Canales is a first-time play caller. Thad Lewis is a first-time quarterback's coach. Their receiver's coach is a first-time receiver's coach. Um, the rest of their offensive staff has some experience, but it'll definitely be different. Um, and there's such an opportunity to be better than they were. I mean, they still have uh, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, um, you know, as two receivers to build an offense around their, their run game almost has to be better. Their offensive line will certainly be new. We talked about Donovan Smith leaving. They traded Shaq Mason. Um, you know, they'll have at least two new starters um, and they're probably gonna have to lean on some young guys on that line again. I think it was one thing when you had Brady, you had to protect and you really wanted to have some experience there, but um, you know, with Mayfield or Trask, I think it'll be a little bit different and they can probably trust some younger guys there. Uh, so no, like I said, this, this division top to bottom, I mean, I, I, it, I don't think it'll be seen as easily as the worst division in the NFL or the NFC, like it was last year. I think it'll be much better. And it, it probably still doesn't take more than 10 at the most 11 wins to, to win the NFC South. Probably. It's going to be really interesting. There have been a lot of moves. I do feel like each team has improved from last season just in different ways. So we'll see what happens, but it's, it's going to be here. The draft will be here. So you don't have to continue to do stuff like this very much longer. And I'll be here at the end of the month. And then the season's right around the corner. Aaron, thanks for having me. We'll have to do this again after the draft and talk about uh, four teams and all these crazy picks, but no, it, it was I fun know. being on. And and now excited a uh, couple of weeks here to have some picks to talk about and, and move on from there. Yeah. Thank you so much for the time. Oh, no problem. Thanks again. Take care. Great stuff from Greg. Now let's bring in linebacker DeMarco Jackson. Jackson was a fifth round pick in 2022 out of Appalachian State. DeMarco, thank you so much for joining me on the New Orleans Saints podcast. I I don't think we've had you on yet. No, I think it's my first time too. Yeah. Well, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing really good. Good. How's the offseason treating you so far? Oh, it's been really, um, really smooth, really just taking the time to, uh, you know, listen to my body, take care of things in the weight room, take care of, like, film study, things like that, and just staying on top of things coming back next week, you know. It was a tough start to your rookie year, getting injured during training camp and then having to miss your first season in the NFL. How did you handle that? I mean, at first, I was, you know, I was pretty upset about it. But really, I had a great coach, um, Coach Hodges. And really, me and him just 
I stayed in, in the film room, stayed in the weight room with Doc and really just control what I can do, like staying in the weight room, getting stronger, faster, doing all the things I can do just to be ready for next year. You redshirted your freshman year in college, your first year, and then went on to have a pretty nice career, uh, Sunbelt Defensive Player of the Year, your senior season. How do you think that sitting out and, and watching and learning benefited you? Really just to understand the game better, understand like the defensive scheme, understanding like people playing styles, um, learning what does and doesn't work on certain things like coverages wise. I mean, it really just helped me take a step back and understand the offense, understand the offense, like pro more pro style offenses now, mm -hmm. understanding them and, What's it like? What type of formations and things you get out of different situations? What are you hoping to do this upcoming season? I mean, are you fully back? Are you, are you ready to hit the ground running? Yeah, so I'm ready to hit the ground running. I'm fully back, really just to be just contribute, contribute in some type of way. Special teams, um, working into the rotation. I mean, I got big, you know, I got big aspirations to do, want to do big things. So really just taking one day at a time and just stacking at the days, knocking at the days, you know. Coach Hodges got a lot of praise last year for what he was able to do with players like Caden Ellis, you know, the progression that yeah. he made from when he was drafted. How good is it to learn from somebody like Hodges and see that the the progress that other players have made? Yeah, so, like, seeing the progress, like, Hodges is a really great coach. He's, like, he stays on top of things, like, making sure, like, he – He's a person that's going to work that everybody needs. So, like, if something might not work for this person, but he's going to say, like, hey, it might work for you better off. And, like, you know, he's a he's a young, energetic guy who just brings a lot of passion to, to the room. So, every time we meet, it's, like, it's really, like, you know, just good, good, like, good questions popping off into people, like, people heads, mm -hmm. like, DD, Pete, um, Caden, Drew, Chase, like, we always had great conversations in that room to fix a lot of problems and solutions, you know. The reason why we're touching base now is because, you know, it found out that you were doing some work in the Charlotte-Mecklenburg area, close to, to home for you. You know, you grew up in the Spartanburg area, so just a little bit south of Charlotte um, with the Reach Out program. Why did you want to get involved in that? Really, um, the people down in Charlotte, Mecklenburg, David, he's a really nice guy. Um, and he's doing a lot to help out young kids, really just young adults and anybody really that just made a poor decision. And he just don't want that to affect the rest of your life. So he just asked me to come on and talk to him. And it was it was like no question, no, like no question would I do that. You know, how was that experience being able to to talk to some of those kids? Oh, it was great, you know, like just hearing different stories, hearing different backgrounds on like how they grown and like it was some tough questions they asked, but at the same time it was like really like open open honesty, like really giving out, you know, popping out solutions. Like, you know, everybody got different things going on. So really like, you know, they helped me just as much as I helped them understanding like situations they might have that I might have, you know, went through and give them some insight on. Yeah. Out. For those that aren't familiar, it's a court diversion program for first time youthful offenders charged with nonviolent felonies. Are you going to continue to kind of talk to some of these these kids and work with this program? Yeah. So like anytime I'm back in Charlotte, I'll make sure I stop up there and see them. But 
hopefully, you know, sometime around the next season, we can get them out to some type of games and stuff like that to interact more. But yeah, so I, I plan to keep on working with them and a couple of or, a couple of other organizations as well. It's really awesome stuff that you're you're doing there. I was looking into your background, and I can't believe I've never asked you about this. But you grew up on a farm. Yeah, so me and my family we did cattle cattle farming. Okay. Pretty much Black Angus cattle. So we did we did that all my life. Um, but then I want to say probably around middle school I started getting into more like. I don't know, poles, barrels, um, casterns, things like that. It says that you did bull riding. So, like, no, I didn't, like, professionally compete and nothing like that. It wasn't, I wasn't, I was at a point far along in my career to where, like, I can, you know. Yeah, you can't mess with that. Yeah. So what what level did you do? You just kind of did it for fun? Yeah, so, like, you know, me and my brother, I had older brothers, so we might have just done something like, you know, did something on the farm, but I just... When you got older brothers, you do crazy stuff, I guess. Sure. It also says that you did calf wrestling. Yeah. So, like, that's just, I don't know. It's gonna, it sounds kind of crazy, but it's just, like, I'm trying to see who can get the cow down to the, the quickest. So, like, pretty much, you pretty much just twist the cow neck and it just flips over. And you try to tie his legs up and whoever can get it done in the fastest time pretty much wins the game. Yeah, so no animals were ever hurt in any of this stuff, right? No, no animals <laughs> never hurt. No. Yeah, I didn't want to say it sounds kind of bad. No. Yeah, no. That's all good. So what was a typical day for you, you know, growing up on a farm? So a typical day for me was it depends like what time of year. Like I always went to school and stuff. So I had like morning chores, like morning chores, maybe like to drop some bell the hay out, but in the evening times, it was like my family, like my parents took care of a lot of the things, um, especially when I got into high school. But younger, it was just, I don't know, like weekends filled with putting up barbed wire, running the fence, separating cattle. I don't know. It's just like a lot of foreign stuff. It's always something you can be doing, like moving trawls, bush hogging, stacking some, like just moving something all the time, you know? Yeah. So how different has it been in New Orleans? Really? I mean, I haven't really seen that side of New Orleans, like the countryside. A lot of my time has been spent really just eating at different spots. Like, yeah, I'm a big foodie person. So like, I just go to a lot of spots and eat, but I ain't really like ventured out into New Orleans yet to see like that, that side of it, you know? Yeah. Well, it's different countryside here. It's, it's a swamp. So it's, you know, you got to go on a swamp tour and go see like the alligators and stuff. It's different wildlife. What are some of your favorite restaurants that you've been to? I would say favorite restaurants. Um, Neo's has been one. Drago, uh, I think I'm saying it right. Drago's Mm -hmm. and Pesh. Okay. Yep. That's a good one. That's one of my favorites as well. How cool was it riding in the yeah. Mardi Gras parade? Oh, it was pretty cool. Like, that was my first time ever to a Mardi Gras, you know? So, yeah. really just seeing how people, like, it's crazy how people, you know, just risk their life for beats and, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, they throw it, like, they just throw it right away. But, like, it was, it was, it was like an awesome experience. You know, it's like some people were throwing crawfish that they're on, like, the float that you just, like, eat it. It was, it was really fun, though, like, just seeing the different kids throwing balls with them or just, like, you know, just it was a good time though meeting the different people um with the crew that we was with. How much are you looking forward to being able to run out of the tunnel for the first time in the Superdome? 
Yeah, so like you know, like sitting out a whole year just watching, it's it's not the best feeling. So like, you know, I'm just I'm ready to get to that point, but I know it's a lot of other steps that come before it. So I'm just you know just worrying about like the next day, like that, whatever. April seventeenth. That's all you know. That's all I've been thinking about. Just getting back to the groove. Yep, players are able to report, come back here to the facility and start workouts on April 17th, which is right around the corner. So we'll be seeing you again soon. I really appreciate the time today and good luck as you you get back into it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me on today. Appreciate DeMarco joining me. And as mentioned, players will be back at the facility next week. So we'll bring you updates as we get closer to the draft. There'll be the rookie mini camp and OTAs throughout the summer. Don't forget to get your tickets for the Saints Draft Crawfish Cookoff Saturday, April 29th from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Just head to NewOrleansaints.com. This year at the facility, we're mixing it up a bit. Fans are going to be able to try a ton of different crawfish from different vendors and vote for their favorite ones. As always, current and former Saints players, the Saints mascots, and the Saints cheer crew will be at the event, and the draft will be on the TVs all around, so we'll watch the Saints' five Saturday selections from there. Next week, we'll look at the quarterbacks and first-round projections for the NFL Draft, and then we'll take a deeper dive into the Saints' needs and possible picks. The Draft kicks off April 27th at 7 o'clock Central with the first round live from Kansas City. Rounds 2-3 are Friday and the remaining Saturday at 11 a.m. You can watch on ESPN or the NFL Network, and of course, follow along with us at Saints on Twitter. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Saints podcast. Join us three times per week on NewOrleansSaints.com, the Saints mobile app, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you next time right here on the New Orleans Saints podcast.